If you feel like communication in your relationship is lacking and that you could use some help in that arena, then stay tuned. This is the episode for you. In today's episode, we are going to talk about 14 ways you can improve communication in your relationship and avoid those pesky fights. Stay tuned. Keeping yourself motivated takes work. If you don't work out your body, you get fat. If you don't work on your motivation, you become unmotivated. Welcome to the Motivational Voice Podcast, your source for inspiration and motivation to achieve your goals, empowering you one word at a time. Umar Jang is an author and a blogger, and he will get you motivated to do whatever you need to do. This is Motivational Voice Podcast, and this is Umar Jang. What's up, everyone? Welcome to another session of the Motivational Voice Podcast. This is session number 11. If you are struggling with communication in your relationship, then this is the episode for you. This episode applies to anyone you are close with and have to communicate with on a regular basis, but particularly uh, someone with whom you have a relationship, uh, a spouse, a significant other. By the way, during the course of this podcast, as I talk about various tips that you can use to improve communication in your relationship, I will be using the term spouse uh, and perhaps significant other to just mean someone in a relationship. It could be a spouse, it could be your significant other, it could be someone that, uh, that you care about that you're in a relationship with. So if you hear me say the term spouse, by any means it doesn't mean that it doesn't apply to you it's just a lot easier for me to use one term to refer to two people who are in a relationship okay now that we've gotten that out of the way let's get started first of course you guys know me i can be a little bit of a geek when it comes to defining terms first let's define what communication really means particularly communication within a relationship that it's a matter of of process i want to make sure that we are on the same page in terms of what I what I mean when I say communication in a relationship. People have different understandings of what a word means beyond the standard definition of the word. For instance, if I ask three different people what the word often means, O-F-T-E-N, I am going to get three different answers. Does it mean three times a week, once a week, once a month? See what I mean? So I need to make sure that we are all on the same page and that you understand that when I say communication in a relationship, and I'm doing air quotes here, you you can't see them. When I say communication in a relationship, you understand that I mean the daily interactions that you have with your spouse or significant other. And that includes all nonverbal communication. Things that you say is is a verbal, so things that you're hearing right now, that's verbal communication. You're hearing words coming out of my mouth. Uh, I feel like I'm quoting Chris Tucker from uh, Rush Hour. But anyway, if you hear words, you, you were referring to verbal communication, so we're talking about what you can hear. But you also have nonverbal cues. If you leave a note on the mirror for your spouse, you are communicating. If you give your husband or wife the silent treatment for whatever reason, that's communicating. Because you are choosing to withhold the exchange of information or affection, that's a type of communication, that's a way of communicating. So all the interactions or even lack thereof of interactions, verbal, nonverbal, and tactile, 
make up communication in your relationship. All right, now that I got that out of the way, I can breathe a little bit. I should mention that this podcast is very loosely structured and is not necessarily scripted. I'm just following tips that I've used in my life. Um, I am Normally, I have a very specific outline for how I want to do a podcast episode, and I write basically what I want to cover, and I loosely go over it as if I was following a script. Now, for the most part, everything I share here is based on personal experience and things that I shared with other people to help them out. Uh, in some cases, I do, I did do some research to make sure that the information I'm sharing with you is, is relevant and is actually helpful to you. I am finding that my process could be improved in terms of how quickly I could potentially get to production time and get these podcast episodes to you. So I'm trying a new approach to maybe being a little loose on my on my podcast episodes to make sure that I can crank these out a little quicker for you. Uh, so that's something that I'm trying to do for uh, the listeners that I hear from all the time that say that they took great a great deal of information out of listening to the podcast. So I want to make sure that I get more of these podcasts out there and more often for you. Now, let me set the stage a little bit. This is an episode that is packed with information, packed with a lot of good information that I believe would help you in your relationship if you apply even a handful of them. In my own relationship, I use these to help me over the years communicate more effectively with my wife. Her and I got married when I when we were in our early 20s, and we've been married for, for a long time now. When we first got married, having a conversation was easy, but communicating in, in the long run and just being able to hear each other out and talk about different things, whether it, it was making a decision about a certain thing or talking about the kids was not as evident. It took us a lot of trial and error over the years to perfect our style of communicating. And I am going to share some of the things that have worked for us over the years. Now, I know that every relationship is unique. What worked for us may not necessarily work for you, but I'm certain that out of these 14 tips, at least some of them will work for you because they are based on things that I have tried and, and they worked for us and, and my wife in our relationship. Now, I feel like I should add a disclaimer to say that I am not a psychiatrist. I am not a counselor. I, I can certainly coach people, but for, for the purpose of this podcast, I just want to share this information and hope that you will find it useful. All right, that's enough talking from me. Let's jump right into the first tip in terms of improving communication in your relationship. The first tip I want to share is that in a relationship, if you want communication to work and if you want to be able to communicate effectively, you have to find a way to talk even if you're mad at each other. So that's tip number one. Find a way to talk even if you are mad at each other. In my marriage, I found that the biggest obstacle to our relationship was when we decided not to communicate for whatever reason. This used to happen to us earlier in our relationship when we first got married. We would get in a fight and be convinced that each of us was right and then we would decide not to talk to each other. And you'd be surprised to learn that a lot of people do this, the silent treatment, as if for some reason if you stop talking to each other, you will find a way to work it out. 
Unfortunately, it doesn't work that way. What ends up happening is that when you get upset enough that you don't want to talk to each other, you kind of go your own separate ways and you decide not to talk about it. Nothing gets resolved in the end. Days may pass and you may be able to continue to talk to each other. But the reason why you got in that fight will be completely ignored. And what will happen is one of you, or in some cases, both of you, will hold that as a grudge. At some point in a future fight, it will come back out. So my advice to you is find a way to talk even if you're upset. Now, I understand that during a fight, you don't want to talk about certain things. You get emotional, emotions are high, you are upset, you don't want to talk to your spouse and for whatever reason because, yeah, it makes sense. You're upset, you don't want to talk. What I would recommend you to do is to take a breather and walk away from the situation and even even say it you know say it to your spouse tell them that you know what i need to walk away right now i need to take a moment before i say something that i regret or something that i cannot take back can we talk about this later and tell them and and walk away and if you are the partner and, you, and or the spouse and you hear that and i i call upon you to actually respect that and let them walk away let them cool off. What happens is when you have cooler heads and both of you have cooler heads, because of this, the fact that one of you walked away, you will come back to the table with a more rational mind and actually be able to address the situation and really talk about what happened and have a conversation about it rather than fighting. Because when you are in the middle of a fight, your logical brain, the center of reasoning, the area in your brain where you actually can think and focus and make rational and conscious decisions and say the right things, is just not there because emotions take over. You have adrenaline coursing through your veins. You want to punch something. You can't make rational decisions. And whatever you say at that moment could be something that you would regret for the rest of your relationships. So what I advise you to do is when you get into in that situation, stop. Take a breather and walk away. Cool off and then come back and talk about it. Tip number two is to solve the issues as you go. Fix the problems as you go. What I mean by that is that as you get in fights, which will happen regardless of how long you've been in a relationship or or how new a couple you are, you will get in fights. That's just human nature. There's nothing you can do about that. Now, We can talk about later about the frequency of fights and uh, how frequent you should be fighting. But regardless, you will get into fights and there's nothing you can do about that. But make sure you solve the issues as you go. What I mean by by that is that if your husband is drinking out of a milk jug, and I'm just thinking of of a random example here, and you don't like that, you want them to stop and you, for some reason you get in a fight because they do it all the time or they do it quite often and you're upset. What you need to do is actually find a way to fix the problem. And I'm not thinking about replacing your husband here, okay? <laughs> uh, but no, this is the person you, you love and this is the person that you're going to be with for, for a long time to come, hopefully. So what you need to do is find a way to fix the problem or diffuse the issue so that it doesn't happen over and over again. Think of solutions that could actually prevent your husband, in this example, from drinking out of the milk jug or the, or the milk bottle. One thing you could do is you can reuse an old milk bottle and or just any other 
container. I mean, you can find something online on Amazon where you could store milk in it and separate the milk into two different containers. And you can even put your name on it. You could put your initial on it so that this milk is for him and this milk is for you. And there are no problems. If he wants to drink out of the milk jug, that's fine. He can do it. And you can later work on the issue of resolving him drinking out of the milk jug in the first place because that's not the most efficient way or the most respectful way to, to drink out of a milk bottle. But that's besides the point. What I'm trying to say here is make sure that you fix the issue, whatever it may be, before you move on because that will come up again and again and again as you keep getting into more fights. Another example I can give is if you live with someone who's smoking, for example, and this can be a man or a woman, it happens, men and women smoke, obviously. If they are smoking cigarettes in the house and you have an issue with that for very good reasons, instead of asking them to stop smoking, you can ask them to, the easier problem to fix here is to, to find some kind of, of a solution that's easy for them to, to take. Ask them to go outside if possible. Ask them to go to the ba- on the balcony and smoke there. Ask them to go to the backyard or depending on what space you are in, find a reasonable place where they can go to smoke. That will diffuse the issue of you having to deal with them smoking. And again, just like I talked about in the milk jug example, it's a matter of finding an easy fix, something you could do to fix the issue rather than than trying to ask them to quit cold turkey, for example, where they would be upset because it's not easy to stop smoking. It's not easy to go from zero to to 100 uh, just overnight. That's not easy to do. So just find a way to think of a creative way to prevent the issue from, from bugging you. Tip number three is avoid blaming each other. Whatever you do, this is one of the worst things you can do in a relationship is to blame each other. Because when you get in a fight, it's not about you and it's not about your your spouse or your significant other. It's about the issue that you got in a fight with. A good example for illustrating this is the words that you use. When you get in a fight, it's, it's very easy for us to just jump and say, you, are, you always do this, you always do that. That's blaming the other person. That's immediately gets them to become defensive. So instead of saying saying you, you should perhaps say things like I. Make it about the issue. I feel like I cannot be comfortable around your friends because I feel X, Y, Z. That is a better way of presenting the issue rather than saying your friends are always doing X, Y, Z and I don't like that about your friends. So what your spouse hears is you, yours, and they hear blaming words. So a better way to to address that is to make the the problem about the issue that's bugging you. When you use those words, those blaming words, it, it makes a person feel judged, even if it's true. What you should do is to make it about you and how you feel about the situation. Don't blame the other person. Blaming leads to resentment, which is poison to any relationship because Resentment is the antidote to love and unity. And without love and unity in your relationship, there is no relationship, to be honest. Ultimately, it's just a matter of focusing on the issue and not the person, like I said. Focus on the smoke and not your spouse, in the example I gave earlier. 
So find a way to compromise, find a way to make things work. And this could be anything, I'm just using smoking as an example. When they are ready to give up the bad habit, tell them that you will be there to help. Make yourself a confidant, someone they can go to for help and support. When you make the smoking issue in this example a big deal, even though it should be because smoking is obviously not healthy, they will not feel comfortable to come to you when the right moment comes, when they feel like they want to quit smoking, for example. When I was younger, I remember my dad used to smoke occasionally. My mom did not like it at all, again, for a good reason. Smoking is, is not good. And, and at the time, there were very little regulations around smoking and cigarettes did, did have a lot more toxic components beyond just nicotine. But my father made it a point to step outside of the house and smoke there. This was the one character flaw, if I can even call that a character flaw, that my dad had that he, he wasn't very proud of. Because to him, as the father figure, he is supposed to be leading by example. In fact, he made it a point to sit us down and very sternly discourage us from ever smoking. Whatever you do, don't smoke, he used to say. It's very bad for you and it can lead to addiction to nicotine. That's what he used to say. But of course, me as a seven-year-old at the time and being curious, I tried a cigarette. Someone tossed a cigarette butt over the wall. I picked it up and inhaled a puff of smoke and immediately I felt a burning sensation down my throat. I was coughing like crazy. There were tears coming down my eyes from, from the burning smoke and I am glad I did that because that was the first time I ever tried smoking a cigarette and it was the last time and I stopped. Anyway, the point I'm trying to make here is that people have bad habits and when you marry someone and when you're in a relationship with someone, you not only take the person that you loved and the things that you like about them, but you also take on some of the bad habits and some of the negative things. You're taking the whole person, good habits, bad habits and all. And in the case of my father, he never got to really stop smoking and he passed away before he could do it. But I understand why people have bad habits and why they smoke. And for many, it's a way to relax, like I mentioned, and just have a moment to themselves. And actually, I will be doing an episode later on to talk about bad habits. And as you, as you can see, I am very passionate about uh, fostering healthy habits and avoiding bad habits in life. So I will be doing an episode specifically on how to drop bad habits and focus on good habits and how you can go about doing that. All right, let's move on to tip number four. Tip number four is avoid trigger words. In other words, avoid pushing the other person's buttons. Now, this one is hard to, to focus on because as we grow up, we are taught perhaps by society, perhaps by just what we see other people do to fight and to hurt the other person, to say, the worst thing we can say to hurt them, which is then brought into our relationships. So if you are in a fight and you say something like, you always treat me like crap in your relationship, if you know that your partner or your spouse is sensitive to certain words, you shouldn't say them. If you know that if you say, well, you, you just look like your father, you, you, you're just like your father, you're just like your sister, you're just like your mother, that really hurts because in most cases, if that person, if your spouse had a bad relationship with their, their parents, let's say their parents uh, were drunks or just any number of bad things that 
they saw in their parents, but they didn't want to grow up to be like their parents. And you just said that you are just like your father. By saying that, you just dismissed everything that they've been working so hard to avoid in their life. They've been working so hard to become a better mother or perhaps a better father, a better brother, sister. And in one single fell swoop, by saying those words, you are just like, you just dismissed everything that they've been working so hard to avoid. When you do that, you're pushing the person's buttons. And frankly, I don't see what that has to do with the actual issue you're fighting about. Now, I, I agree that there are trigger words that are a lot more dangerous. And what I mean by that is swearing while you're fighting. I know that in some couples this has happened. People swear at each other because they're upset, they're fighting, and they don't see it as being an issue. But in my humble opinion, and this may just be me because I'm, I'm conservative in terms of of what you say and, and the way I was brought up, I don't swear in my relationship, I don't swear in my house, and I, in my humble opinion, I strongly believe that words have meaning and words matter. What you say matters. If you start allowing yourself in your relationship to use swear words just because you are upset, that's bad for your relationship because you are trying to hurt each other and that has nothing to do with the fight. And you're opening up a can of worms because when you swear, you're basically saying, I'm going to use the strongest weapon that I have verbally to hurt you. And when you keep doing that and you get to a point in your relationship that that becomes natural in your regular fighting routines, what will you do when you get to a point where swearing is no longer enough? When you get to a point where you need to one-up that person. They swear at you, you swear back. Next time, perhaps you will say something demeaning or something very aggressive in terms of that person that, again, has nothing to do with the fight. Maybe you'll say something like, you're a horrible mom, you're the worst mom that I've ever seen, or you are a horrible father, or you'll amount to nothing. You will start using things that are outside of the realm of the fight to hurt each other. That's a very slippery slope because you start going into verbal abuse at that point, emotional abuse at that point, because that is how you start breaking a person down when you start using those words. And of course, how do you one-up? How do you take that further? How do you go to the next level? When words fail, you go into a physical confrontation. And what happens there is the strongest person then becomes the abuser. And all of a sudden, you find yourself in a situation where, oh my God, I didn't mean to hit you. But because in the heat of things, someone said something upsetting and then one of you punched the other. And now you are living your worst nightmare. You are in an abusive relationship. Now, this is an extreme case, but this, this is how it happens. It happens with words. There's a reason why we don't remember sometimes our second grade teacher's name unless it, they made a big impact on us. But we always remember the bully, the words that people used to say, when they said it and how they said it and the impact it had on us as individuals and human beings, regardless of the age when the bullying happened. This is why I strongly believe that swearing should not be part of any relationship, especially especially when you're fighting. And there are things that 
if you say them in a relationship, you will never be able to take them back, even if you apologize, because in the back of their minds, your spouse will always remember that one day on that one fight when you said X, Y, Z. So be careful that this is a slippery slope and has no place in a relationship. Tip number five is actively listening. Make sure, even if you're in a fight, make sure you're actively listening to what your partner is saying. I know this is hard because when you are in a fight, you tend to defend yourself. So you, you are waiting for that person to say something and then you're waiting to come up with your, your one-up, you know, your, your response to what they said. But as hard as it, it is, make sure you actually listen to why they are upset. Stay engaged in the conversation. Make eye contact. Watch your body language. Because a lot of the things that we say comes through our body, comes through how we present ourselves. You cross your arms and you roll your eyes, you turn away or, or you make a gesture with your arm. All that matters and all that is interpreted, especially when people are fighting or and upset, it is interpreted a certain way and it is generally seen as being dismissive or disrespectful and that just adds fuel to the fire. Uh, I'll, I'll give you an example. Now, to give you an example, in my relationship, there are times where my wife would start talking to me when I'm in the middle of something. I'm perhaps in the middle of uh, drafting a, a script for a podcast or I'm writing uh, whatever it may be. I am in the room, but I'm working on something and I'm not fully focused. So she would say something to me and... Uh, and she would say, are you listening? And I will get up and look up and, and realize that she was actually engaging and talking with me and I was paying, wasn't paying attention to the conversation. We are used to having our spouse around us and we hear them talk and we are hearing the words but not registering what they mean and what the implications mean. And what, what would happen sometimes and cause a fight is that if either of us was not paying attention, and the other one was talking for, let's say, five minutes. And all of a sudden, they ask a question. So what do you think? And you realize that you weren't really listening at all. You were just present and you were, your attention were, was divided and pulled somewhere else. And that on itself can actually cause fights. It would be difficult for me to fully focus on a conversation. Uh, and I think anyone else, for that matter, if your attention is divided and you weren't really paying attention and you were not present for your spouse at the time. So you have to make sure that you are actively listening. That means put away the phone, turn off the TV, make eye contact and actually listen and make sure that your attention is not divided and that, and that you are not doing anything else. If the time that your spouse requests to talk to you is not the, a good time for you, then say it. You know, Say that you need a different time set up a different time or tell them to give you a few minutes so you can actually then give your full attention and be present and be respectful and listen to the conversation. That will save you a whole lot of fights. Tip number six, have daily or weekly check-ins. Daily check-ins or daily or weekly check-ins and it could be either depending on how busy you are and what you are able to do with your spouse. Having these daily check-ins allows you to actually catch up with each other. It allows you to share concerns and, and ideas and important information and making decisions and to make sure that you're actually connected and you know what the next day will bring. 
you know what's planned perhaps you have a, a dental appointment or a physical therapy appointment or some kind of important event that you need to communicate to your spouse and generally just the fact that you are in the same room and you're taking time to check in and talk about how was your day or how did things go yesterday and just connect and uh, be on the same page will encourage you to be more willing to share and when you share there's no secrets there's nothing unusual or nothing uh, out of the blue that that happens that you may forget to mention to your spouse because these can cause fights if you didn't have these check-ins and all of a sudden you go on your own and make a decision that your spouse is not okay with or wasn't consulted on then you can get in these random fights over things that are truly preventable in your relationship if you just took the time to check in and talk this is when you share the important decisions with your partner and get their take and ask their opinion so it's an important time and it's an important tip to include in your toolbox if you will of communication tips for you to use in your relationship tip number seven is to set boundaries and rules rules and boundaries are super important not only in society but but in our real life in our personal relationships in your relationship you should set rules in terms of what you can do what you can say that would be seen as acceptable or unacceptable to your to your partner but also set rules for how you fight ahead of time set the rules for what you're allowed to say and do and how far you're allowed to go in a fight and these rules are important because some of us are for example some of us are morning people and some of us are night owls uh, i know that earlier in my early 20s i was not a very morning person to a certain extent i i am still not but i've managed to to get over that if you approach someone who's not who doesn't do well when they just wake up in the morning and you start having a serious conversation with them and they don't register with that conversation or with what you're saying and you feel that they're not being engaged and they're not being respectful that's partly on you in that you didn't really set rules in terms of you know this is not a good time for me to be having a serious conversation i need half an hour to wake up take a shower and do whatever it may be so whatever that time is for you in a relationship you need to understand what those times are for each other so that you respect that time and that you only go to them when you know that they'll be listening and they'll be happy and motivated to listen and to talk to you and to communicate with you now other rules you may have can also be rules around can you raise your voice in a fight or not and and i know that this is a tricky one this is a very tricky one because i struggle with it in my own relationship in that as i mentioned before i am from a very laid back background where I tend to be very mellow and positive and uh, and can see it as offensive if someone is yelling at me or raising their voice which in a fight and in a relationship that's what people do. So you need to find a way to not only understand what you're comfortable with in terms of when you get in a fight but also make sure that your partner understands that and you both respect that. So we talked about a lot of tips and a lot of things so far. Let's do a quick recap of what we talked about so far. So tip number one was to find a way to talk even if you are mad at each other. Tip number two was to solve issues and problems as you go. And tip number three was to avoid blaming each other. Uh, tip number four was to avoid trigger words. 
Tip number five was to actively listen. Tip number six was to have daily or weekly check-ins so you can talk things over. Tip number seven is to set rules and boundaries. Tip number eight. Tip number eight is to be clear about your expectations early on in your relationship. Now, this is a matter of, of difference in, in communication styles. Some of us can be very comfortable in terms of expressing what we need, but others may not be because they may feel guilty about asking for help or asking for someone else to assist them or to give them attention. And they may even feel guilty about this. And this has to do with how people are brought up and how people are raised. So generally, you may be in a relationship where perhaps your spouse may not want to ask for help directly. In my personal relationship, I know that my my wife may need something from me, but she necessarily won't always come out and say it because she may feel guilty about taking up my time or asking for help more than once in, let's say, a given day or week. And she may feel guilty about that. So instead of asking for help, she may just you know withhold that information and not say anything about what she needs. So it, it may be up to me to be proactive and go to her and ask and say, do you need anything and what can I do for you? And not necessarily take no for an answer or at least give them a chance to to say what they, what they need and express their feelings and actually ask for help when they need it. Because I know some people are are very leery of feeling asking for help because they feel guilty that they are taking time away from you. But in a relationship, you should feel comfortable with each other enough to actually ask for help. This becomes a problem when one person in the relationship is expecting that the other person is just going to do something by default because they expect that they would somehow understand that they need the help without setting clear expectations to say, I want you to do X, Y, Z. Instead of saying that, some people may just hint at it when expectations have have to be set clearly. I want you to do X, Y, Z because the consequences could be not following up on renewing the insurance, for example. That is a serious matter and could turn into a fight because the expectation was not set clearly to say, I want you to do X, Y, Z, rather than assuming that you know the person is just going to do it on their own when they weren't necessarily aware of the, of the issue. I hope that's making sense. Um, but the point is, in a relationship, make sure you set clear expectations. Make sure you ask what you need. Make sure you tell the, your spouse what you want them to do so they can specifically do it. Tip number nine is to make important decisions together. This is particularly important when it comes to decisions that, that involve uh, financial decisions like uh, the use of money or big purchases or any decision where you really should consult your partner. Any decision where whatever you, your spouse does could actually impact you, not only you but your family and because you live together. So these are things that you absolutely need to talk about. Where that becomes a problem is if a spouse goes out and then does something that the other spouse wasn't aware of, all of a sudden they feel that they haven't been consulted on a huge decision uh, in their lives, in their relationship. And now they feel that they were left out or that they didn't have a say necessarily. They feel that they are not important perhaps in the relationship. 
And this could be an area where fights can occur, disagreements can happen, and misunderstandings. So you want to make sure that any major decision that happens needs to be something that you share because this is a big part of, of building trust. Imagine that in your relationship you have this huge rock, this huge boulder between you. And every time you you do something that breaks the trust between the two of you, imagine that someone is taking an axe to the rock and is chipping away slowly and, and surely at that rock. And over time that rock can crack and even fall apart and even be completely gone. So whenever you do something like that where where you haven't consulted your spouse, it could feel like you are chipping away at that trust a little more every time you do that, beyond the fact that it could lead to fights and communication issues between the two of you. So make sure that you consult your spouse, make sure you talk it out on any big decision that either of you needs to make. Tip number 10 is put yourself in your spouse's shoes. This is about having sympathy and having empathy for the situation that they are in. Now, while marriage unites us, it only does so to a certain degree. Deep down, we are unique individuals. That's what makes human beings so flexible because we are able to to be our own individuals, but we can also come together as one person. But our individuality is never really always 100% gone. It's always with us. So we tend to sometimes not see how other people around us are suffering and feeling pain. And the best way to understand and avoid actually fights and miscommunications is to put yourself into that person's shoe. When you put yourself into someone's shoes, all of a sudden you have the compassion because you see their world in your own eyes. And you are more likely to be more forgiving and more accommodating of what they need. I tend to wake up in the morning before my wife wakes up in the morning. The first thing I do is I jump in the shower, I take a shower, and then of course I get dressed. I try very hard to not make any noise, but when you are sleeping, you all know this, when you're sleeping, every single tiny noise that someone makes feels like it's been amplified tenfold. And it feels painful for the person who's sleeping to hear those noises. Even so, you're trying very hard not to make them. But when you put yourself in that person's shoe, you will realize consciously what your actions can do to your spouse. So you start, and this can apply beyond just sleeping and and being quiet in the morning. This is a very routine example, but there may be even more examples. Let's say your wife does, or your your husband or wife does something wrong. Uh, I don't know, they get a a speeding ticket, for example. Don't be so quick to jump on them for, for that. That could happen to any of us. And Putting yourself in their shoes would allow you to see their side of the story and be more compassionate and more understanding. When you take that point of view and that frame of mind, you are more likely to be understanding and avoid that fight just because you perhaps you, you went on them too hard because they got a speeding ticket and that turns into a fight because it's you know they're, they're telling you that it's not their fault and this could have happened to anyone. So putting yourself in someone else's shoes does make a big difference and it helps avoid one more fight in your relationship. Tip number 11 is when you are wrong, make sure you admit it. And this is a big one. Now, I have to admit that this is difficult to do, but nobody is perfect. Everyone knows that. We all can agree on that statement. So if nobody is perfect and we all know it, why is it so difficult for so many of us to say those three little words? 
I am sorry. Very often in our relationships, it will come up where we will make a decision that will put us down a path where we are completely wrong and that could start a fight. You know, it could be a number of things. You could perhaps buy something and, you know, I don't know, spend money on something that you weren't supposed to, money that was supposed to go towards something else. And I'm just picking this example at random, but that can start a fight. You have to be willing to admit that you did something wrong to stop the fight rather than allowing it to go on and because it can turn into something else when you are refusing to admit that you did something wrong your your spouse can easily be very aggravated by that and the the fight can go on for for a long time the fights where you can avoid getting in the fight in the first place where you only have to have to do is apologize should not really be the ones to derail your relationship so don't be afraid to actually apologize if you do something wrong all right now on to tip number 12 compromise you've heard the expression sometimes you win some sometimes you lose some the second you decided to share your life with someone else you implicitly agreed to compromise for the rest of your life why because no two people agree on everything all the time that's just not possible the odds on agreeing on everything all the time for the next 30 to 50 years are slim to none. So you have to choose your battles. No one can be right all the time. So you will get in situations in your life where you will have to compromise. You will have to sacrifice your, your desire to get something or to win something and set that aside in the interest of your relationship. So you have to, when you get in those situations where your spouse wants something and you want something and the two wants, if you will, are clashing, you have to find a way to to sometimes let the other person take it. And this can be a number of things. To give you a concrete example, think of the fact that at some point in your life, a decision will have to be made. You will have two completely different points of view on the matter. If neither of you is, is willing to compromise, you will never come together as a family. No single person should make all the recommendations and the decisions at the same time. You should both be able to make a recommendation and bring in your ideas and your thoughts on whatever the decision should be and together come up to the best decision for the both of you, the best decision for you as a family, for you as a couple, for you as, a, uh, as two people in a relationship so that you can make the right decision that's best for both of you. So keep that in mind as you go through your relationships and you don't agree on certain things. Make sure you weigh the pros and cons. Make sure you understand why you're making the decision you're making. Make sure you compromise when the need arises. Tip number 13 is to share your feelings. This one is important. I have to admit that this was a hard one for me. Women don't generally seem to have an issue with making their feelings known. They can generally talk about things without having or hiding how they feel. Whereas men would generally tend to, to really not want to talk about their feelings. For me, not only did I not feel comfortable sharing my feelings, but it was a cultural belief that took me the better part of 15 years to get over. 
in Senegal, where I am originally from, you keep your secrets and your feelings to yourself because sharing too much can be misconstrued as being selfish, that you're focusing too much on what you want. You're sharing too much of your feelings. I was always a quiet guy. I was actually very shy. And uh, to this day, while I, I speak on a podcast, which may shock you, I go on stage and I give speeches and I, and I t- tell stories on stage. It may shock you to learn that I am still a very introvert person and I don't like to uh, share too much of my feelings. That comes down again to a character trait that makes me who I am today. And I have learned to work with that and still be able to, to have my own personality and make my voice heard. But there would be times where I have to be honest with my feelings and come forward and make sure that that I let my feelings known because that's what you do in a relationship because you're supposed to be comfortable enough to share how you feel and what's on your mind. Your home should really be a sanctuary where you feel safe and where you feel okay and comfortable with your spouse enough that you can share how you really feel. And that this one comes over, over time if you find that you are one of those people that doesn't share feelings. I would say perhaps the best advice I can give you is don't force it. Just try to work at it over time and it would come. When the situation arises where you need to come forward with how you feel, one tip I would give is instead of trying to do a face-to-face, perhaps you can send an email or a text to your spouse. Then use that as as an opening to have the conversation about your feelings and then talk about it. Finally, this is tip number 14. Keep your relationship secrets to yourself. This is not necessarily related to communication in a relationship, but it's an important piece and it's an important aspect of a relationship. As you know, what happens in a relationship is you're sharing some of the deepest parts of yourself. Some You're bearing your soul to the person, the one person that you trust and love and, and, and cherish. And you don't generally hold back, if you, particularly if you are okay with sharing your feelings, uh, as I mentioned previously. So when you share things that were told to you in confidence and you take it outside of the of your relationship, in a sense, you're taking a piece out of that relationship and you're taking it out outside when it really belonged on the inside. And I'll give you a concrete example of that. Sometimes, have you ever had a situation where you are at a grocery store and someone comes up to you and they start telling you everything about them and themselves and their family and their relationship they tell you about their their son or daughter that has an addiction problem that's seeking help at a facility in in wyoming and they're telling you all these 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 things and they don't know you they just met you at a grocery store there is a wolof expression wolof is a language that we speak in in senegal where i grew up there's a wolof expression and it, it literally says you should have a, a tomb in your belly, which roughly translates to you should have a safe inside of yourself where you can keep certain secrets. Now, in any given relationship, there are a number of things that people share with confidence and because we feel comfortable with sharing that information. And these are, to a certain degree, these are secrets that really should, for the most part, stay within the relationship because these were shared in confidence. Our relationship is one place where we feel comfortable enough to share 
literally everything under the sun that we don't even share with our siblings or our parents. Your relationship should be a sanctuary where you can share some of those things that perhaps you haven't told anyone before and be comfortable enough to share it and know that that secret will be respected and, and kept secret and not shared. What happens sometimes is people will take that information and share it with our own relatives, our own brothers and sisters and perhaps mom and dad. While I understand that we have a relationship with our parents and we can share certain things with them, there's a secret relationship between yourself and your spouse that you should not betray. And when you go and share some of those secrets and they get back to them, that could turn into a fight and an explosive one at that. If you are so inclined to share some of that information with, let's say, your neighbors or your friends, at least make sure to ask about it. Ask your spouse if it's okay for you to share this information with your family, with your parents, with your siblings. Because it may not be okay with them for you to share perhaps something that happened to them when they were a child. And that could betray the trust that you have in your relationship. I always picture the trust in a relationship as this huge boulder, this huge rock between the two of you. When you decide to share a secret that was confided in you by your spouse, imagine that someone is taking a pick or an axe to that rock and is chipping away slowly and little by little to the point that that rock will crack and will become very small. That's how I picture sharing information in what I would call secrets of a relationship with others that you shouldn't be sharing it with. Some of you may be comfortable, maybe in a relationship where you are an open book. You can share anything without ever being worried about it getting back to you or being concerned as to how people may see you or how people may view you. So my point here is be careful when you share information that your spouse shared with you in confidence. All right, so that pretty much wraps up our session for today. But before I leave you, I wanted to share a couple words of wisdom. Fights will happen in relationships. That's completely natural, that's expected, and that will continue to happen. But some of the tips I shared with you here are meant to get you to a point in your relationship that you're not having a lot of fights, that fights are not dominating your relationship, that you get to a point where some of those trivial and minute things are no longer an issue so that you don't fight over those anymore. Now, I would encourage you to try some of the tips that I talk about here on this podcast. I understand that it may not work for all of you or depending on where you are in your relationship, you may not be ready to try all of them. So what I would advise you to do is to pick one or two or perhaps three things that I talked about and try them. Give it some time and see how it works. Perhaps even have your partner listen to this podcast and uh, understand what you are trying to attempt and what you're trying to do. And if it works, great. Then continue and add more of the tips that I talked about. But like I said at the beginning, every relationship is unique. This may work for you or it may not work for you. But at least try it. And if you are at a point in your relationship where you could really try anything Try these tips and I guarantee you that at least some of them will help you or at least give you a new perspective on how you view your relationship. And finally, if you did find the information that I shared on this podcast useful, I will ask you to share the podcast with another person 
perhaps family and friends, if you think that this would be helpful for them and their relationships. I always like to hear from listeners talk about specific podcast episodes that they found useful to the point that they actually went ahead and applied some of those tips and principles. That really gives me the courage, but most of all, the motivation to continue to crank out and give you these episodes and share these tips with you. And I hope to see you next time. Thank you very much for listening to the podcast. And as always, please stay safe and motivated. Goodbye. Thank you for listening to the Motivational Voice Podcast. If you enjoyed the show, please subscribe and rate it on iTunes. Get show notes and the latest blog posts at omarjang.com. 